It's March 14th, 2022. This is Rook. He has become one of the most buzzed about young fighters in the UK today, an Iranian refugee who's getting a lot of attention in the boxing ring. But the story of how Ali Reza Razor Ali Qadiri got to England and climbed his way in the boxing world is the stuff of movies. His journey is a harrowing one from tragedy as a small child losing family in a car crash to living on the streets and gang life in Tehran as a teenager. But Ali found his way to asylum in the UK and now, still in his early 20s, has a fight at West. Wembley Arena coming up with a global audience on satellite. Razor Ali joins us. This is Conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Welcome to episode 171 of Rook. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Durud Bar Shoma. Hello, Gurvishaya. Salam. Salam. Uh, hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Very subdued. Hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. There we go. <laughs> and hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Gian. Uh, hello, you look very nice. Thank you. It's uh, no ruse coming we were, up. We were thinking, I would think we're going to try and shoot a no ruse video today, our second yes, annual yes, no right. ruse video. And so that's, I knew you'd come. Let's, let's see if we I can mean, get that. I mean, the rest of us schlubs <laughs> don't, uh, you know, we don't, uh, I knew you'd, uh, you'd, you'd look fabulous. The, uh, you're the fabulous Keon, yeah. let's yeah. face it. I got to fit the character. R- Ali Reza, Razor Ali. Khadiri joining us uh, in just a little bit from London. What a story he has. I, I'm looking forward to this interview. He he moved to the UK uh, as a refugee seeking asylum. This is about six years ago when he was 18 years old. He was living on the streets in the UK, no money, living on the streets. And he said that he was happy because he felt safe <laughs> on wow. the streets of London after what he'd been through in Iran. Uh, uh, and uh, which is just this crazy story of um, a really, really tough life that he has seemingly overcome to become this rising star boxer in England. Uh, and he wasn't even a boxer when he got to the UK. Um, he had done kickboxing, he'd done sort of martial arts and fighting in, in Iran, but um, he trained and he's turned this around really quickly and become this guy who's at Wembley Arena this wow. uh, this weekend and and uh, whatever he he ends up doing as a fighter however successfully is uh, you got to be proud of this guy and uh, what a story well uh, Ali Reza Razor Ali Qadiri Reza you should have like a a moniker you know Reza, Reza. Razor Reza <laughs> Shole Reza I don't know Razor Reza <laughs> 
<laughs> rambunctious. Oh, I, I guess you're Captain Reza. That's the that's it. Yeah. That's it. Reza, Reza Captain Reza Cholet. Reza Captain Reza Cholet. Yeah. Reza Captain. That would be your boxing name. <laughs> Razor Alley going one. up against a Captain Reza today. Let's see if I won a competition. Nah, He's not say. actually a captain. Why they name him Captain? No, but he knows. he comes out with a like captain's hat when he's boxing. He's <laughs> got like full regalia. W- w- e. like, like in a pirate w- outfit. That, that's the only kind of captain I see. And an Iranian Canadian named Captain Reza on the bill today up Just against a released Razor from the Alley. circus. <laughs> Based on the appearance. It's nice to laugh. I mean, uh, it, does it, um, you know, with Noru's mm-hmm. imminent mm-hmm. uh Coming up later this yes. week, in fact, this spring equinox, the moment of uh, of uh, of the Rejuvenation. beginning of spring, the moment that the Sata Tahvil, the beginning of Noruz's uh, new day, is actually Sunday, March 20th, um, uh, Sunday morning, Toronto mm-hmm. time. And so this is, you know, it's less than a week away. And so it feels like, a, you know, it should be this joyous time of yeah. this incredible celebration that we have, this non-religious, non-denominational, uh, very inclusive, wonderful celebration. And yet it seems like a such a dark time in the world. Yeah. Does it does it seem like that to you guys, or is that just me, or is, is no. it always a dark time in the world? Well, there's, there's always something. I mean, last year it was COVID. The one before that was the 752 flight. Yeah. Now Russia attacking Ukraine. Every year it seems to be something ominous happening that kind of offsets the happiness you're trying to celebrate. Do you think? Do you feel like it's a dark time in the world, Keon? When I turn on the news, yes. But as soon as you shut it off, it's happy. Mm. You, you you make it what <laughs> it is, too. right? Like you got to focus on. the Is positive. there something weird or uncomfortable or privileged about celebrating Noruz when horrible things are happening in the world? There always is. There ever like Brezza said, every year there's something mm. happening in the world that's horrible and miserable. But you know, you got to look at the bright. Better side. Better to forget about those people and just no, party, forget yeah. about it. No, right, you, right. you know, you got to hope and pray for brighter days for humanity in right, general. Right. You know, but uh, we can't suspend all of life because no. I mean, spring yeah. still comes no matter what. Mm. Animals still come out. Oh. plants grow. Mm. Life yeah. goes on, and it's just a cycle. Not if there's World War Three. Yeah, they may not yeah, be any life, you know what? life left. For all we know, next year, God forbid, but for all we know, there could be a war in Canada next year. Who knows? I'm mm. not I'm not saying there, I know something. <laughs> you know something you we know. don't know. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you celebrate time when it's good, and when it's bad, you get through it. That's it. Shia, what, how, how do you feel about uh, celebrating Nowruz on when there's uh, uh, difficult news in yeah, the world? Yeah, I think generally when you celebrate something, you release a good energy to this world and mm. at, at some point it will return to you and to the world so mm. i think you have to celebrate you yeah. oh. nicely oh. said right. Shaya. most beautifully said by shia <laughs> the poet without the beard well i'm not sure if the good energy of celebrating noruz is going to help the folks in yemen <laughs> at present yeah. uh, maybe uh, maybe but actually razor ali's story uh, not to preempt him because I've got to ask him about it, the, the details, but it really puts things in perspective, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the sort of the Eastern Western paradigm, you know, in terms of what mm-hmm. we see as privileged here versus what, uh, or, or, or what we see as difficult here in our privileged, you mm-hmm. know, Western world versus the, uh, because it says it all. I was living on the streets of London, but I was happy, you know, because I was no longer in the, uh, he comes from a very difficult part of southern Tehran, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get to that anyway. Um, 
We are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It is there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and Farsi, check us out on Telegram. You can become a patron of our program by going to our all new fabulous website at rookmedia.com and pressing the support us button. We depend on you guys. Uh, even five or ten dollars a month or twenty-five a month really helps us out. The support us button at rookmedia.com. If you're a regular listener, uh, become a patron. We appreciate that. So I hear, speaking of uh, prepping for no ruse, that uh, Reza, you now this oh, is, man. I mean, this is how much Reza has changed. Reza, you and Keon were at the same salon, hair salon, getting your nails done or something. Nails done? Oh, well, I don't know what you. What were you doing? There's nothing wrong with getting no, your nails done. Nothing just, wrong with it. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. But I wasn't getting my nails what done. What were you getting yeah. done? I was getting my beard trimmed. I see. I you can't trim beard your beard yourself. You have no, to go to a salon. No, this guy's a professional. He does a very, very nice job. Wait, he just did your beard. That's, that's all he did. That's yeah. all Speaking he of did. privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what? I fancy that's going to the salon. <laughs> where I can beard. get my beard trimmed. <laughs> Guys, you have no uh, idea what you're talking about. I dude, I use a trimmer. You just I use know, a, that's yeah. why you, you look like Satar. The <laughs> 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 I see. I, well, I can't go to a fancy salon for just getting my beard trimmed. <laughs> you just trimmed. got no, your beard trimmed? Like, yeah, not I did. No. Because I like, I like the fade. Like I like it to be like very nice fade. You didn't touch your hair at all? How many times a week do you have to go and get that done? Oh, no. How many times a week? Once every two weeks. Once every two weeks you go yeah. to get your beard trimmed yeah Jesus yeah. so I was God. sitting there getting my beard how do you beard like that <laughs> I don't know I highly recommend it it's so good and yeah. it massages you know, your was, beard and I was sitting there you know stuff. right before Nuru's I get my hair cut you know fresh hair new, new so beard. here's the story I heard I mean let's I could go on forever making fun of Reza for guys getting his beard <laughs> trims at a, at a salon nothing again I'm, I'm glad that the salon is it's actually a friend of ours I know the guy and I'm glad that they're <laughs> no, benefiting probably. from your uh, beard trimming your, your, your open wallet <laughs> Apparently, uh, for uh, Shia, I, I'm imagining you don't go to a place to get your beard trimmed. <laughs> Shia uses a butter knife at home uh, 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 while he's <laughs> cooking. He just heats up the knife, and uh, so so. Here's the story I hear. The story I heard from a, a little bird who may also be a captain. It's probably is, incorrect yeah, already. He said he no. Reza says he was in the place for like an hour. Within a meter of you, <laughs> and you didn't, and you didn't recognize him, or okay. you didn't say hello to him. So, <laughs> because you were so caught up in getting so your. It's, yeah. it's a very Persian salon, and I tend to avoid making eye contact with Persian men just in general. Just, oh. I don't know. Why do you go to Persian men salon? <laughs> I don't. And so I, I like this guy that I get my hair cut. Anyway, yeah. so he's sitting diagonally to me, and I'm avoiding eye contact, and I'm just listening to this guy yap and yap. I was like, this guy oh is God. not the guy being Reza talking yeah. to yeah. his hairdresser or his beard trimmer, whatever you want. Beard trimmer. <laughs> While he was trimming your beard you were he was just going a, a on 
conversationalist. <laughs> yeah. No, this time he was trying. I was like, make a line in the back of my head too. So oh. that's when yeah, I Yeah, so I was talking. like, oh my God, this man, he won't shut up. So I, I had to look. I and you like, didn't recognize? Like, I didn't hear his voice. Hey, hey, no. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't no, I did. Listening to the, the radio show that we've been doing for two years. No, because there's like my hair dryers going off and, you know, so it's not yeah. the usual yes. highlighted, like, uh, Captain Reza voice on air. Oh. So I had to look. I was like, who is this, like, annoying person? <laughs> And I'm like, Reza, of course <laughs> oh, it's Reza. And I, I have a mask on. He does not because he's getting his beard trim. I'm like, Reza, Reza. He turns like, to me. It takes him like 10 woman? seconds to recognize. Wait, no, so you didn't re- recognize her no, either? No, I didn't because th- there's the lady sitting in, in front of me. And you try to wet. avoid eye my contact with Persian ladies. <laughs> that, well, <laughs> to the best of my ability, yes. And especially if they I, have... If I, I, love this, <laughs> I love this insight into uh, Iranian communication. I, no, no one's looking at each hey, other uh, <laughs> and everybody's they aware of each other they yeah. tend to think you're interested if you even look at them and that's make right Reza would certainly think Reza you would certainly think you're somebody's interested <laughs> if a woman looked at you God knows <laughs> yes I have that kind of I'm that kind of person but uh, but but I was looking at her and she's like her hair was wet right so I could it's not normal poofy Keon's hair right or a bald cap I don't know I've always seen her like and then uh, she's wearing a mask uh-huh. and uh, no makeup whatsoever oh Oh gee! No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm sorry. No, I don't, no, no, no. I'm no. not you. I don't no. make myself pretty to go to the salon. <laughs> oh yeah, right. But no, honestly though, I looked and then she was talking. I couldn't hear her because like the hair dryer is on and everything. And she's like, I'm like, who? And then she's like, Reza, is that you? She removed her mask, talked to me. I'm like, Keon. I've been sitting here for like 15 minutes look staring right in I look at you I love times. it yeah, I love I, I mean is that the first time you two have been in the same place outside of this studio I yeah, so. yeah, yeah he's a different much, person yeah. he was like yeah. he's a lot more Persian sometimes there's, you know yeah, you see him in that element he and was he's talking like, in Persian that's it oh, that's that why I didn't nice. recognize uh, it yeah because it was just right. so yeah because the guy who cuts my hair like I try to talk to him in English it's <laughs> easier work. for me but he doesn't like he doesn't understand it right like I'm yeah. like yeah I made this movie Rev he's like Dadosh in film you ke sakhti koja pakhsh mishe no ara baba pakhsh mishe that's why like I gotta speak to him in, in Farsi he's more can I ask how, how much does it cost to get your beard trimmed well this this time he didn't charge me because last time he had overcharged me but usually 20 bucks 20 bucks 20 yeah. all right okay, okay. Well, that's it that's yeah, modest it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not like that? 200 dollars no oh, what are you crazy so that's no. a thing like people go just for no beard yes trimming? no yes I, it's no, a it's real not a thing. I had no you clue. see those perfect beards out there men show up like trimmed properly to the teeth to be it's honest all... like yours looks like any average beard oh right now. you <laughs> That's the twenty dollar, twenty dollar trim. That's the twenty dollar trim. If you get the fifty dollar <laughs> trim, it's a little nicer. I'm, I'm, this is my last no, no, no. show, when, ladies and gentlemen. When someone, when I get my hair cut, they'll sometimes do. They'll you know, fix help the beard, but I. I yeah. I wouldn't think to go get it. Uh, Just not worth the twenty bucks to look like this, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twenty bucks you can look like Reza. That's what it is. Twenty bucks, yeah. But it was good to see him. You know, when you're uh, yeah, in a place and it's all Persian, like I feel out of place already. So when I saw, her, I was like, I was like, no. Reza. But you know what was funny? Actually, what got my ten- my attention was that. So I'm speaking to them in Farsi. Everybody's speaking Farsi. Yeah, it's yeah, such yeah. a Persian place, right? Yeah. Even her Chai's hairdresser was speaking to her in Farsi. 
And then all of a sudden, she was like, Reza, I was like, Keon. And then we switched speaking to each other in English and about like the show, my work, her work and stuff. And then everybody was like, was looking at us as if like We're they outsiders. saw two yeah. aliens just yeah. born. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, you know, I hate what I hate is uh, sometimes when I go to the, just on Friday, I went to, there's these little, um, what's the word for like a little, Persian uh, uh, deli, no, like deli? a, 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 oh, a deli. bakoli. Bakoli, yeah, bakoli. yeah. They, you know, there's these little Persian bakolis yeah, yeah, yeah. that are like not the big no, 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 the big ones, places, yeah. but the, the smaller ones that are super Persian, yeah, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. you know, the only people who go in there, yeah. it's uh, are, you know, people who are yeah. just like there's no English spoken in there. And um, I hate when they, when I, so I go, go in and speak Persian and then they switch to English. <laughs> like I'll be like, Salam, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm okay, what do you want to, anything else you want? I'm like, damn, you know, what a, I'm exposed. Yeah, I gotta speak English. Like, and they're kind of rolling their eyes. Uh, yes, is that all you want? What else do you want? You know. Have they ever corrected you? You no, 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 but like, that, but but I really do feel the pressure in there. Yeah, I, I feel the pressure of like, oh, do I, oh, yeah. do I speak mm. Persian, and then they tell, then they start speaking English to me, or it's even worse where they'll say something really quick, and I'll like, we'll be speaking Persian, and then they'll go, you know, I'm like, um, what? last one. I ask you if you want more eggplant, you know. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, you, speaking of being Persian and weird things, you, you remember how we said that the Persian language is really literal, like uh, beavers called saga abi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my boyfriend's from Shiraz, yeah, like you, Reza, yeah. and he was talking to his parents. I don't know what they were talking about. And they said, bade galu, like that, that's yeah. burp. Yeah, like body galu, like a bird yeah, is yeah, translated yeah. as body galu, awesome. yeah. like, and that's, that's a so fancy wind, way. Wind of the throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, so then do they that's call? There's no creativity. <laughs> yeah. they, the Persian language, I mean, for all this poetry, <laughs> it's <laughs> always <laughs> like body galu, saget. So is the other end body, you know, basan? Actually, body mede. <laughs> that's what it is uh, or wind of Bod. your stomach okay. that's yeah. what it is anyway that's... it was just so hilarious to me yeah. but you you know Keon you, you you always say I feel uncomfortable in these Persian places but you you look at you I mean given the option of going to a gazillion salons in on, in, in Toronto you decide to go to a Persian I, I don't know I feel like they know my hair better because <laughs> like, they know me culturally <laughs> for some reason it's a like, real thing eh what like uh, different ethnic backgrounds have a specific hair texture and they like to go to specific yeah, hair salons. I don't know. It's just habit for me, I guess. You wouldn't point, get your beard trimmed by just anybody. It's a, you <laughs> need a Persian guy. Yeah, hey, I need my beard. Persian guy, man. Uh, he knows my hair beard. better than everybody. You okay, Shai? Yes, yes, I'm enjoying the conversation. I see. You're very quiet. Uh, no, I'm traumatized by the trimming here because <laughs> the guy cut my mustache. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did actually. You did actually try. It wasn't. Yeah, what were you? You were trying to get your beard. Uh, yeah, I was just making it a bit trimming, but the guy like shaved my mustache. How much so. did you pay? And also, it's related to the kind of ethnic thing. 
because oh. yeah he 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 thought that i it's You're my white yeah based on my religion actually because i'm a kind of middle eastern <laughs> i have to shave my mustache so he shaved oh he my, just shaved uh, your mustache yeah, first yeah. and kept the beard yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so you looked like you were uh, a very religious mean? man yes, from pakistan yes. Correct, nice yes. <laughs> not that there's anything no 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 absolutely not uh, but so you this is when you had your big uh yeah, gandalf <laughs> your your uh <laughs> hafez beard you cut it because you the guy had trimmed yes, your mustache yes, and, or yes. got rid of your mustache yes. you see that's a two dollar trim Gian. no that was twenty dollar actually that cost, actually was yeah. a twenty dollar <laughs> 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 I, I don't understand why you, you know there's like a razor a trimmer mm-hmm. you just buy a trimmer and you do, do it yourself it. it's not it's not the same this oh. guy is like trust me you go to him up the tr- I'll pay for it you go give it a shot once if you don't get addicted I swear <laughs> to God it's so good like and it lasts a long oh. time I'm stepping up to buy me a trim. (laughs) (laughs) This is a a big, uh, yeah, big moment. Yeah, yeah. That's AD. AD What are you By the way, uh, I want to get to Reza, Razor, Razor Ali, uh, Ali Reza Khadiri coming up. I, I, I just wanted to say as well, though, with all the difficulty going on in the world, uh, I am being provided a panacea a a uh, comfort a uh, a way of feeling good about the world by who by my team arsenal hey. and i just want to say because we've spent so much time on this show with me feeling bad about myself and, mm-hmm. and me feeling bad because and you guys making fun of me and saying why do you care still stay with arsenal and all that <laughs> Uh, they're just they're just, it's just great we just won again this weekend <laughs> but you know they're they're a very young team and uh, this is by like you know there's probably like 0.1% of our audience that cares about what that I'm saying right now. <laughs> but, but for those people they will understand how great it is to be a, an Arsenal fan right now we're number four Awesome. And climbing, and uh, and the youngest team in the league, one of the youngest teams ever, and it's just really fun to watch. Okay, you can tune back in now, Keon. Yeah. <laughs> no, but speaking of, of soccer, did Canada make it to the uh, World they Cup? They have a g- big game coming up. Almost. When is it? I think we expect that uh, Canada will be, will be in. Yeah. Yeah. That would be crazy, man. No, it's going to be Iran, Canada, England <laughs> together. This would be nuts. I just wish it was in, in a better location. Then that's how yeah, yeah I don't know that's when you read a, yeah. some of these news like and some it's articles too. about how what it took to build these stadiums oh, and the totally amount horrible. of just, yeah so. uh, it is um, first of all it's Noru's coming up and we will be doing our second annual Noru's video mm-hmm. which is only in Persian that means you uh, and I Kion yeah. Farat Farsi it's have good present. I had practice at the hair salon <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, so that that next week, uh, if you're listening to us on one of the podcast platforms, you may not see a podcast come up, uh, uh, but you will be able, able to on YouTube or on Instagram or on Telegram see our, our second annual Noru's video with the team. And also this coming week, we are going to be releasing, you will see this on your podcast platforms, a version of our theme sung with new lyrics uh, and uh, sung by uh, a well-known Iranian uh, performer. Yes. So look forward to that. The second anniversary of Rook is coming up in mid-April. Wow. And on that show, we have Ali Reza Qorbani, the the great Iranian singer, uh, joining us for a feature interview. I think one of the first times he's done a 
a big feature in English, maybe the only time yes. or something. So that's very exciting. Also in the in the coming days on Rook Ziba Shirazi, the Iranian American writer, poet, and singer, uh, Hossein Amini, the screenwriter and director, uh, Reza. Yeah. Uh, he was once nominated for an Oscar. He's the guy who wrote. Um, Crash, yeah, oh, the wow. Ryan Gosling yeah. film, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, no drive. drive, 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 drive. Okay. Sorry, yeah. drive, yeah, yeah, crash. Yes, yes one yes. word yeah. Uh, yeah. about a car. Yeah, yeah. drive. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he, huge, huge screenwriter. Yeah, fabulous. Uh, Ashgan Royayi, wow. who is. Uh, a dance photographer based in Houston who is has built this huge following on TikTok and Instagram shooting dancers and with just sublime work. Uh, an Iranian transplanted to Texas. Uh, wow. we'll, we'll speak with him, Ash Kusha, mm-hmm. uh, who's on the forefront. He's a, a musician and futurist. And Captain Behnam. Captain, captain Behnam. Yes, a real captain. Like there can yeah. only be one what? captain. I know. What? I know. He's moving in on uh, Reza's territory. Captain Behnam is the um, famed uh, United Airlines captain wow. who uh, has been with, well, that's not the wow part. He's, I mean, he's been with United for about 35 years. He's the guy, if you remember, about two years ago, or maybe I was actually about three or four years ago, he was piloting a flight that was headed from San Francisco to Hawaii, oh. and the flight lost an engine. Mm. And he, it's like Sully, like Sully, yeah, like, like, but the, this is actually even more dramatic. He piloted the flight down and saved all the passengers, and so he's, uh, you know, been on the cover of magazines, and he's wow. this sort of hero. And and uh, That's amazing. Uh, he'll talk to us about that story and and how he's trying to do good for Iran these days as well. Captain Behnam. Coming up, all right. Yeah. Let's get to our feature guest. Let's go. All right, the fabulous Keon, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia. We'll see you in a little bit. Let's get to our feature guest. Our feature guest today is a young professional boxer with a powerful story of perseverance. That is the stuff of movies. Ali Reza, Razor Ali Qadiri, is an Iranian boxer based in London, England, who's built his story with hard work, determination, hope, and strength. He was born and raised in a perilous area of southern Tehran, where fighting was not a hobby, but a way of survival. He has quite a tragic backstory of a difficult childhood in Iran. He arrived in the UK in his teens with little in his pockets, sought asylum, and lived on the streets of East London. He's now 24 years old and is making a serious name for himself in the boxing world and has a fight coming up at Wembley Arena in front of 12,000 people and a global audience on satellite TV in just a couple of weeks. But first, right now, Ali Reza Qadidi, Razor Ali, joins me from London, England today. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? It's, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, it's always good to to be around, tell the story of the people and inspire some people. So thank you for having me today. Thank you so much for doing this. I mean, you are one of the highest regarded young fighters in the UK. Uh, just off the top, how does that feel after all you've been through? Dream come true. <laughs> That's how it feels, dream come true. But I still got a very long way to go, uh, make it to the top. I don't really feel like I have it all, you know, because I'm really hungry. So there's a long way to go. But it feels good to be here because to be here one day was a dream. Ali, you you posted a photo of yourself a few days ago um, saying, uh, just being happy. It says, I'm just being happy. And you look relaxed. You have a big smile in your fancy jacket with a guitar in the background. I mean, it was really nice to see after all you've been through, which we'll get into. But... 
is that a face that you put on for social media or you do you really feel that happy these days no no, no I, i'm always happy like uh, since i remember like since being a little kid i'm always happy i'm always smiling always smiling it's just as my friend always told me uh happiness is a choice so just want to be happy your instagram tagline is all hustle no luck <laughs> can you explain That's that right. Yes, yes, it's, it's just my mentality, you know. Um, uh, I'm a hustler, I call myself a hustler. I uh, wake up every day, I hustle to make dream come true. In my life, nothing really been given to me, so I had to fight. So it's just it's just all hustle and no luck, um, hard work, dedication, and uh, everything you want, you can achieve. That's That's the only way there. If otherwise like you got, I don't know. It's never been easy to come someone give it to you. It's never been like that for me. Yeah. You do say that you appreciate each day when you wake up that you're that you're alive. And that's quite something for a 24-year-old to say. I, I mean, there have been times in your life when each day was literally a matter of trying to survive, yes? That's true, yes. Um, still is the same, you know. Um, sometimes I'm like asking myself, oh my God, my dream's too big. Um, it scares me and I'm just trying because for me I want it all and even like now I have enough for myself I'm like oh no it's a matter of surviving because I don't want this but back in the day it was a bit, a bit, a bit worse because it was different where I came from the ghetto where I came from um, it was very different it was just about to be alive really to be alive you know um, physically to be alive because you just fight on the street. I've I've seen my friends get stabbed and different things. So the journey to be here today it was a scary. Um, I'm happy. Like every day I wake up, I'm going to the park for my running or by the canal when I run, see the water, see the beautiful sky. I'm like, um, as long as I can run, as long as I got two arms to fight, hmm. as long as I breathe and I'm alive. Anything I want, I can achieve. And my biggest, my biggest dream is just to live every day, just being happy, you know. Well, listen, I want I want to talk to you a little bit about where you are now and and certainly where you're going. But um, let's talk about where you where you come from because we've referenced it a couple of times. But um, and I know it's a difficult story, uh, so I, I I'm almost self conscious about making you uh, tell the story again. But um, but just so folks know what you've been through. Um, tell, first of all, take us right back to, to being born in Tehran. At the age of two, um, your dad and your mom divorced. Your dad uh, was addicted to heroin. You were taken in by your grandparents. What, what can you tell us about what was happening with you at that very, very early age? Um, to be honest, I remember everything. So, like, it was it was tough time. Um, being uh, being in a really unstable family, and my my father was heroin addicted. Uh, the environment in the house is not a good place for a child. Where I'm from is not safe for a child. So like you can be at home, and you can be outside. It's just you you feel like it's end of the world. Mm. You think you know like the, some point you're gonna give up to the environment. But I think is, I I personally think is, 
almost impossible to win against environment because how do you want to survive when your your family your parents are they just can't give it to you simple they just can't give it to you do you remember when you found out that your or how you found out that your dad i mean you're a little kid has some kind of addiction um well when i start recognizing what's going on around me like when i was um five six seeing um when my parents divorced but like my mom said to me your your father is taking drug and um obviously like in the ghetto everyone's taking drugs so i knew what is drug in early age um so yes i knew like my, my father is taking drug uh heroin and and then like when i was six i had a i had a car crash and i lost my family and the only person survived it was me and my grandpa um the only reason a couple of times i mentioned in my interviews the only person survived it was me but it was my grandpa as well but my grandpa wasn't in the car it was outside because he was trying to get the the car fixed um yeah this is a let, let me just ask you to tell tell this i mean this is an incredibly harrowing story so so you're already sort of displaced as a kid as a product of what we've just talked about with your parents and then you you're you're there's a bunch of you in a car it's is this in tehran this is um we went uh, we went to Qom uh, on the way back on the way back we got punctured in the motorway and it's like bunch of us like um it was a uh, it was pecan every all of us in the pecan uh, um our relative my aunties my aunties were like my parents to be honest because they were the one they were looking after me because there was no mom, there was no dad, grandpa, like, or grandma, like, really not there for me. So it was really my auntie. So I, I was really attached to them. Um, and I saw them, they they burned to death. Um, and the only person survived, it was me. And then it was this this car, it was, they, were, they were drunk, two guys and one girl. They were drunk coming back from Qom to Tehran and then um, they lost control and they literally bam, drove into us. The car exploded um, and um, like everybody literally burned. Everybody burned. I was burned. I was burned. Um, all my face was burned, my hands, my legs. Um, yeah, you, so, you, you end up in hospital for weeks, right? Or No, no, I was there for three months, as three my months. mother said. Yeah. I was I was too young to remember, but my mother said to me, you were in the hospital for three months. Um, so, but I had very special treatment. Um, it was tough. Um, I remember, like, I was getting unconscious because they were taking me to steam room um, with a jet brush, try to scrub my face, you know. Um, um, it was too painful. Just imagine right now you're just going to burn your hand. I don't know, you're doing barbecue, burning your hand how painful it is and all my all my body's bent and then not only that they, they're scratching me um um so it was it was difficult uh, all my life i've been fighting so um I, i'm so i'm first of all i'm i'm so so sorry that you <laughs> went through that i mean it is i'm uh, one's heart goes out to you do you, do you still see that vision of that burning car do you do you um h- how do you even cope with uh, I mean, you've obviously, you know, figured this out in terms of moving on with your life, but um, that's it's a tr- tremendously traumatic thing for it to happen to a kid. Um, 
you believe me or not, I just don't know how did I get over it. I still don't know, you know. Like it's my question to how how do I not think about it? Maybe I was just I don't know too busy trying to survive, or my dream of being so happy was too big for me, um, or. I really don't know, to be honest, like, because I know a lot of people go through not as much as me and they just struggle for the rest of their life. I've seen, I've seen with my eyes, I have mm. friends. And but I ask myself, like, how do I not dream about it anymore? Or like, I don't know. I don't think about it. I, I do you, do you have PTSD? It. Do you wake up in a sweat thinking yes, about it? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't wake up in sweat, but like, Yes, I, w- I wake up very moody sometimes. And my mood is not like, oh, someone made me upset. No, I just wake up for no reason mm. and, I'm, and I'm sad, mm. you know. I wake up for no reason. Not, and a, a night before, a day before, I had the best time of my life. But I wake up and I'm very sad. I don't know that. Like, what me- I, think is, I think it's that one, you know. Um, but I'm always looking at, look, I try to figure myself out when sometimes I wake up and I'm sad for no reason. I start, um, I start praying, or I'm just looking for something to make me happy. I don't know. I just go buy myself flower, or I just listen to my mm-hmm. favorite music, or I just go in my in my photos, look at my holidays picture, or whatever. I just I go to gym straight away to not think about it because if I let it to grow in me, I would be one of those one. I would be wasted. Um, thinking about my my problems all the time. Oh, why my father wanted to sell me for heroin. Or why I lost my parents, or like my, my family, or yeah, I should explain that the story is that um, you're in the hospital for months, and then your your father. This is when you're six years old. Your father returns to pretty much kidnap you, right? He takes you into hiding and tries to sell you for drugs. Yes, yes. He just came. It was one day. He was very high. He came. I remember, and then he asked my mom, "I'm gonna take." Adi Reza, my mom was like, no, you can't. I remember my mother said, like, come on, you, you addicted yourself. How do you want to look after him? But, you know, in Iran back in the day, and it's still now it's man's man country, you know. Um, so he literally took me. No one could do anything. Uh, he took me, put me, he took me to the, the place called um, Shurabad. It's very close to home. He took me, like, it was, like, desert, a lot of, um, you know the place they keep the cows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very scary place. I remember the details to be honest. Um, the place he took me there for for one year. I was there, um, and then one day he literally I could hear because I was in the room. It was in little room. I could hear them. This this couple they came to to get me from my father for money, and then. I was very lucky. I was like, I was talking. I said, God, if you really exist and if you hear me, you know, everything happened to me, but like, don't let this one happen, you know, because the only thing I wanted was to go to my mom. But if they would buy me, I could never go to my mom. Like, and then um, I remember they didn't have the cash. My father, you know, he wouldn't care about anything else. He just wanted the cash to go buy drugs. So they didn't have the cash with them. They wanted to f- see me first and then go bring the cash. My father said, no, you, you don't have the money. You, you don't you don't see him. Mm-hmm. Just give me the money, take the kid. And I, I, I was just hearing all these conversations. And I was thinking, like, how can my own blood, my father, do this 
mm-hmm. to his son, you know. But like I went, I went through this process in my life, and I've seen a lot of different people. Like when you taking drug, it's just nothing you can do, you know. I, now maybe because I forgave him, maybe I just say, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't feel bad about him anymore. Need, like, I mean, needless to say, first of all, you were not. I'm guessing you weren't in school, right? Even when you were six or seven years old, if your dad could. Yeah. yeah. And and do you know where your dad is now? I think he's dead. Nobody knows. He disappeared when I was nine years old. Last time I saw him, um, he was in his mother's house, my my grandmother. And then he called. He called my house. He said, "Listen, I'm here. Do you want to come and see me?" I remember I had a gold chain and then it was my mother said to me please leave it at home because he's going to take it away from you I said no he's not going to take it away from me but I never hated my dad that's the thing that's the weird thing I don't know why I never even when he wanted to sell me I, I never even hated him mm. I don't, I, he was one of these very rare people in my life I could never hate him even though when I would understand how does it feel to be in control by drugs so I said to my mother, no, I'm going to go see my dad and I'm not going to take my chain off. I trust him. My grandmother was like, you dumb. I said, no, no. So I remember I took my bicycle. It was a summer day. I went to my other grandmother. I saw my father. I was so happy to see him. And he hugged me so much. And that was the last time I saw my father when I was nine. Um... He hugged me, he kissed me, and then I just went back home because I had to go to my to my grandmother because he was she never she would never let me go to them to my fam father's side. But I really resist that I wanna go see my father. And I'm I'm delighted I went and I did it because that was the last if I wouldn't go, I wouldn't see my father for last time. So mm. I went there, I saw him. I was very keen to talk about big things, but I just I just saw him like any any little kid seeing his father, and um, it was hard. But then, in early age, I was just I realized what doesn't kill me really makes me stronger. What can, so what like everything is happening to me. What can I do about it? I just want to be happy, you know. Well, Ali, you I mean you. First of all, this is even just hard to hear, let alone what you've been through. It, so, it, no one can, no one would blame you for you know getting involved in gang life after this. By your early teens, from what I understand, you were involved in gangs. This is, I guess, about 10, 15 years ago in in Iran. What? How would you describe gang life in in Tehran when you were involved? Um. It's different, like pe- people for no reason want to fight each other, you know. So I believe everywhere is the same. Like um, like this area fighting the other's area for, for literally nonsense. They're just a bunch of people who have no purpose in their life and have no education. The only thing they can do is literally fighting each other, harming each other. Um, I remember, I literally remember... I was in my neighborhood. I was in my area. From the other ne- area, this guy came up to my friend. This guy, I always admire him. He was very handsome, tall, very confident. I was like maybe five, six years old, younger than him. I, I literally remember that, that moment, someone looked at his eyes 
and then they started fighting and then he literally stabbed the knife in his heart he died uh, he literally died there and then i was like i, I was i couldn't get over it with, with my head you know that was like my friend literally died there the guy stabbed him in the heart that that simple that simple and the guy ran away and uh nothing happened they couldn't find him they couldn't find him he still like it's so weird because that was when i was 15 now i'm like 24 one of my friends called me last year and we we talked about it i was like they didn't get the guy still mm. and very this guy had something very special about him my friend he just died like that like you know how many kids like him die uh, Look, I'm here. I had the potential to be here. If I would be dead, if I would be a stab, or if I wouldn't run away, this potential would be wasted. What area was this in Tehran? Islam Shah. Hmm. So many like me. Like uh, honestly, honestly, some. I remember I was going to this, like, to my gym. My coach. I I, I was always the hardest worker in the gym, but I wasn't the most talented person. My coach. He used to always tell me, listen, look at, I, I always getting medals, trophies, stuff like that. I never forget my coach was telling me, listen, you're not the most talented. You're the most hard worker. Mm. They, they are very, more, uh, they're much better than you. They have more talent than you. But they're all dead now. Or they are drug addicted. Um, so imagine if, if they would run away, if they had the chance to not be involved in that, I don't know, environment imagine they could be someone better than me mm. they could they could be here represent their country represent their family they could be somebody for themselves not go hurting each other not going making troubles on the street because i wasn't the most talented person that that was so obvious to me can i ask you i mean it's uh, it's clear that you're not a drug addict now uh um how is it that you avoided that uh, obviously when when i see my father was heroin addicted and the only thing my, my mother was telling me, she, she would never tell me, don't go and fight. She would never tell me, like, don't make trouble. But the only thing she was reminding me every day, don't take drugs. Don't take drugs. That was the only thing she would tell me every single day. I remember, like, I, I was coming home, blood was everywhere on my body. You know, she knew I'm fighting on the street, this, that. That wasn't, that wasn't as big as if she would see me taking drug, mm. you know? Um, and she, she read my mother worked so hard that I could see like, she was my hero, literally working all day, all night, um, put him in the classes, go, I don't know, do basketball, go do play, play football, like just being a sport, you know? Um, and all I wanted to see, like, I had no choice. I had to be on the street because of many reasons that maybe not people will understand. Home wasn't a good place for me because in home, my situation was really worse than outside. Seeing people getting killed, I could take that, but I couldn't take to be home because, because my grandmother, like she lost two of her daughter. She would, she would hurt herself every day. And I couldn't see her screaming and 
crying and then she had long nails scratching her face you know this is like in the culture um i couldn't see that that was really harder you know i i really wanted to be on the street that was better than home ali you uh, something happens around this time that is obviously uh, a, a big a major part of the path that's led you to where you are today which is that I guess fighting, um, kickboxing, uh, martial arts, etc., becomes an outlet for you. And I think you were being modest a moment ago where you said, I, I wasn't the best, I wasn't that good. Because by the time you're in your mid-teens, you're, you're competitively, as you say, you're winning medals and you're, you're competing at an organized level. When did you know or when did the people around you know that, that you've got a real talent for this? Since the first day I went to the gym. I remember, I never forget the first day I went to kickboxing gym. I was very little, uh, only eight years old. It was very old fashioned. Everyone's sweating. I don't know how to punch. I, I remember I stood next to a very tall guy and they, they showed me how to punch. All I could do, I was really hyped and really full of energy. Um, they taught me how to punch, how to, how to fight. Uh, they took me to a fight. I I really had this kid. We were both like eight years old. He had started crying, you know. And they, I won the fight, but they raised both of us hands. And then fight after fight after fight. Uh, never lost any fight when I was when I was back home. Um, especially when I was younger, they couldn't really fight me. Since day one, I, like everyone knew, like I got something in me. I think I was just made for this, you know. To fight. Can I can I ask you a weird question? I mean, maybe I don't understand that. You're physically like you, you know you are not a huge guy, right? You're not super tall. No, I'm, not, I'm a small guy. So so does it surprise people <laughs> when they they look at you and then they, then they find out just how good a fighter you are? Um, sometimes yes, I, I really get this like because I'm not really big guy or my my face doesn't look really angry. Or I don't have uh, my head. It's not like like Mike Tyson, you know, boxer things <laughs> right, and stuff right, like that. Right. So when I told them I'm a professional boxer, I showed them my, my, my tape, my videos and stuff. They're like, oh, I can't believe that. Right. Yeah, it, it surprised people sometimes. Oh, I love colors. Like I wear pink. I go on the street like people like, are you a professional boxer? I'm like, yes. If it, I mean, if it weren't for some of the tough guy tattoos, you kind of just, you look like an artistic Persian kid. Like, you know, you know, you look like a, a guy who could be in a band or something, you know, you don't, you don't really look like a. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I wish I, I literally buy a piano because I really want to play music instrument. Uh, fighting is the other side of me. Fighting is really the other side of me. Like, believe me, when I go in a ring, I'm surprised by the person I become. It's not me. Like. Well, that's interesting. I don't know how, I just don't know how to describe it. Like, I just love the violence when I go in the ring. But when I'm getting out of the ring, I just want to have fun, peace, love, you know. Let me come back to that. Let me just hear about the how you, how you end up finally leaving Iran. Because you've said, you, there was an interview I saw you in where you said uh, you could no longer stay in Tehran when you were 17 because the police were after you. Why were the police after you? I was I was very crazy, you know, like I was doing stupid things now when I think about it, how someone could do that. I was going in my school 
and I was going, I'm ashamed to say that, but like, I was going there saying there was no God, you know, there was no Allah, like, they lying to us. Um, don't go to because you know you, when you I don't know like you you born in you didn't go to school in Iran like no there, there was literally break time around lunchtime you you have to go to pray hmm. and there was like course you have to pass like it's about religion and please don't come talk about religion to me because some language I don't take shit you know. You come up to me, you tell there is God. I, I lost my family mm. since age of two. Like my parents divorced, um, been kidnapped um, in on the streets, and so many other things. And you tell me there is a God? No, there is not a God. <laughs> so, and you go to school and they force you to do that. They force you to mm. to read Quran. They they force you. Um, and I was like, no, like there is no God. You cannot say that in Iran, you know. You cannot say such a thing. People really, they don't dare to talk about these things, especially in like age of fifteen, going, standing on your wall in your school, and shouting out loud, "There is no God. God is dead. There is no God." But I, but I've got to tell you an amazing thing, which is that. You know, I've never heard you tell the details of this. So when I heard you say this in an interview, you're involved in gangs and the police were after you. You know, I'm thinking that you're doing something nefarious, like you've stabbed someone or you've robbed something, you've robbed a bank or something. It turns out that you were just saying that there's no God. There was no God. No, no. I I, I did things like I've, I fought a lot, but I've been in, like police came after us to get us, but in Iran you literally can pay any, anyone. Especially my coach in Iran, he was from where I where I where I'm from. Like he was very well known. Every every time I make trouble with one phone call, they would let us go. You know, um, but here was a free country. I I'm I'm man enough to talk about my thoughts, my opinion. I just don't. I just want to respect people a bit more, you know. It's not about. I got that. you. I got you. But I, I. But you also say things like you're a spiritual person, and you say thanks God and things like that. So, uh, ha have you changed your position on religion, or do you just kind of? Oh no, no, I'm. I'm. I don't believe in. I don't believe in God. I'm not religious. I'm very spiritual. I believe in energy. I believe in universe. I believe in karma. Like, uh, as Iranians say, as hard as but yes, someone that's me. I'm. I'm. I'm I'm praying every day. Every day I pray to my to my to my God, to my energy. Um, Tell me about how you actually end up leaving Iran and how, and ending up in in London. Was it was it a literally an escape or how how do you how'd you get out? I, I remember I was 15 years old. It was 2014. I went I went to to a fight. They they call it best of the best. I was very light. I was like maybe 55 kilogram. I I took the fight. I was fighting a guy much bigger than me. Um, and then I did really well. This promoter came up to me and said, listen, you're really good, you know. Um, do you want me to take you to China for a fight? I was like, uh, I don't say no to that, you know. That's an opportunity. So I went to China. I took my bag alone. I went to China. I couldn't speak in English, nothing. Um, and I didn't know even who I'm fighting, you know. I wonder the guy was 26 years old, three times world champion. 
And then with confidence, I can say I was very strong in Iran. Like I would fight a man and I would, I would have nothing less than them power-wise. Mm. I faced this guy. I went in a ring in front of like 30,000 people in the, in the arena. I remember this champion came in the ring and he kicked me in my, in my arm. You know, like in, this, in two seconds when I got hit, I thought to myself, please give up now because he's going to smash you to pieces. He's going to destroy you. And then I was like, no, no, I don't give up. It's not in my, it's not in my blood to give up. Let me just get destroyed in the ring, but I'm not going to leave the ring, you know. So I lost the fight by the point. I survived for the for the whole rounds, and it was an amazing experience. I came home, and I said to my mother, "Mom, I think I have to go because if I'm here, look, I'm fighting every day. I'm run. I used to run away from home, and nobody knew where I am for literally a month." There was no phone to call me, nothing. Like my mother was like, is he alive? Very see. Nobody knew where I am. I would run away, go, go to different cities. I just didn't want to be home, you know. Um, disappearing for a month. Um, didn't didn't finish my education. Um, so my mom was like, I said, please give me some money. Let me just go. And then my mom just gave me some money whatever she had, she gave me. She said, like, I remember it was midnight. I went to airport. I kissed my mother's hand and my grandmother. I said to them, listen, um, I leave. I don't know if I'm going to be alive or not because I don't know what's ahead for me, you know. As as a teenager, I'm, I'm leaving home, different culture, different country. I'm away smuggling myself to Europe. It's not like you're taking a plane. You go there, I'm smuggling myself. Anything that can happen to me. Um, so if I'm, if I'm, if I arrive and if I'm alive, I make you proud. And here we are today. Wow, man! If there's a first of all, if there's a a, a smart uh, investor listening right now, uh, they should lay down a few million dollars for the the, the movie rights to your story because this, <laughs> the more you talk, I think, oh my god, this is a feature film at the very least. Uh, you've said something quite remarkable, which is that I mean, very telling, which is that when you arrived in London, so you're you know 18 years old. This is 2016. This is six years ago. You're an asylum seeker. You're in East London. Um, you end up living on the streets, which would be for anyone else, you know, harrowing in and of itself. You've said that even when you were living on the streets, you were happy because it was a safe place. What what do you mean by that? You just have to physically go to see where I'm from. That's the only way I can describe. I can tell you till tomorrow morning how bad is my ghetto or many ghetto in Tehran where I'm from, like different places. But you literally have to go there, physically see it with your eyes and sense it, how violent it is. I'm telling you, people get killed over the conversation. So how can East London on the street not be safe for me? Nobody want to fight me. Nobody know what I, Nobody want to fight for no reason. People are busy. They just need to pay their bills. They're happy. They, they've got other problems. They're not coming to fight me. I'm, I'm sleeping on the street. No one tell me anything. 
<laughs> and if, even people would look at me, oh, look at this this guy, you know, like because I was very young to be homeless. Like other people, like you can see, they older, they're homeless, sleeping on the street. I was very young. Like I have a picture of myself when I show it to my friend. Like my face changed so much since like two, three years ago. Like now I look like mm, adult. I was very baby face even when I was 21. Imagine when I was like 18. I was, I was so happy. I can describe honestly. I can describe my. I had my smile coming to my ears. Um, so happy. I was going. I was going to gym and then get bruised in my eyes and I was bleeding and my t-shirt was wet and I don't look like two two free t-shirt. Um, I still have my first t-shirt I bought in this country. My cousin bought it for me. I still have it in my wardrobe. Um, by, by, the way, by the way, that. by the way, you didn't speak the language, right? You didn't speak English, no. and you didn't have enough money for food. You're living on the streets. I mean, um, how, how did you even make it through from day to day? Or was it just that when you talk about that juxtaposition, that comparison to where you came from, it didn't even matter. You were just happy to be no. in a free place. That's that, and also like you can leave me anywhere. I know how to survive. Hmm. It's just so natural to me to survive, you know. <laughs> it really doesn't matter where I am. I, I know how to feed myself. I know how to protect myself. Um, and the rest is just okay, you know, like you build up. Um, and I just had to work hard to make my dream come true. Um, I, rem I remember I went to the gym. Uh, my friend from U.S., from Chicago, Ali, he... he WhatsApp me this place that for me is a professional boxing gym. Go there. I went there. I didn't even. I didn't know what's Google Map. I didn't know how to use it. And and by the way, by the way, this is part of the the, the incredible story. You're you're not a boxer yet at this point, right? When you arrive in the UK, oh. you don't even have a boxing background. I mean, you've been a kickboxer, you've been a, yes. a fighter, but you don't. You're not really the fact that you're one of the you know uh, most buzzed about boxers in the UK now is even more remarkable. Given that just a few years ago when you arrived, you you had no experience boxing, right? No, it's, thank you for mentioning it because it's totally different. Boxing and kickboxing is like different ball game. Uh, it's like playing, I don't know, tennis and badminton. It's just different. Not because there is kickboxing is you're a boxer. That's why I was, I had my face all bruised every day because I didn't know how to box. Hmm. I didn't know how to move. So I was literally a target. I would I would get any punch. I couldn't move my head. Coming home, I. My nose is bleeding. I got black eye everywhere, um, and I'm like going to this place. I said, "I want, I want a box." They tell me. I said to actually, you know, I saw this guy after five years, couple of months ago. I said, "Do you remember me to that guy?" He said, "No, I don't remember you." I said, "No, you're lying to me. You remember me because you are the guy. I came up to you five years ago. I said, I don't know how to box." You uh, said, can I train here? You said to me, you have you have money? I said, no. Um, you said to me, you have to clean the toilet. Uh, so I let you train in the gym. I'm the same guy. Look, I'm here today. Hmm. I told him in his face. But none of them really mattered to me. I just had a dream. You know, when you have a dream, nothing matters to you. When you're hungry, nothing matters to you. Nothing really breaks you. 
Um, but, you but, fight the word. But when you go to, uh, isn't it true that you went to this um, West Ham Boxing Club and uh, they ask you, they, they go, okay, show us what you can do. And you end up sparring and, and you really don't know what you're doing. And But they, they come away impressed because they say, even though you don't know how to box, you know how to fight really well, right? That they yes, could, I went there, I went, uh, they said to me, um, okay, you want to box? Jump in the ring. Literally like in the movies. Um, you want to box? Okay, jump in the ring. I said, okay, I jump in the ring. No problem. I jump in the ring. They were punching me. But I was punching them back, but no skills, you know? And they was like, he can fight. We have to teach him how to how to box. And the guy said to me, the coach said to me, Tony, he said to me, keep coming here. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, I was so happy. Oh man, best time boxing club. Like, they have history behind them. They want me to go back in there. Like, I was like, they want me. Like, I'll go. I'm going to make them proud. I went there. I worked so hard. Um, but really put aside that they're not teaching me how to box because I don't know, to call it racism, to call it, it was so many kids there. I wasn't a priority. I don't know what to call it. Um, but they really didn't give me any attention. Um, I was hustling my own way to learn how to box. Um, so I just learned my craft every day. Um, whoever would do something good, I wanted to copy them. So, okay, they do this, I have to do this. I was just a very good watcher, good listener. You said um, you said a few minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, you were saying, you said that remarkable thing where you said, "I when I get in the boxing ring, I'm not me. I'm somebody else. And I said I wanted to come back to that. Um, so let me ask you about that now. Um, who, who do you think you are when you're in that ring? I feel so free. I feel I'm the happiest man that no one can really compare themselves to me like happiness-wise. I feel I'm the freest man in the world. Nothing really matters to me. This is so sad to say, but if I get a phone call, they say you lost your mother and I'm in a ring, I don't really pay attention to that. Like, this big. Nothing really matters to me. I'm, I'm really disconnected. And when I fight, it's just different. I don't know how to bring it to the world for you. Like, I love the violence. I really love hurting that person in front of me. Um, it's just like, maybe I can take revenge. But when I'm out of that ring, I absolutely have no problem with anybody. I don't want to fight. But when I'm in that ring, I don't know, maybe maybe someone, maybe a scientist can figure, figure this out. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like, I'm in a ring, I just love to fight. Well, when you say, I mean, the, I mean, that's, you know, that laser-focused kind of notion. I mean, that is, you mentioned Mike Tyson earlier. That that was like Iron Mike, like he gets in the ring and he can't, you know. But but there's a side of it that sounds a little scary, too, that, you know, you 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 really want to hurt the person. I mean, that's a, that, maybe that is working out some of your past somehow or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but. I, I think so. I don't know, like, I remember from my last fight, it was in Bemley Arena. Um, every round, I'm coming to my corner, and my my coach sees me very frustrated. And then I'm like, I need to hurt him. I need to knock him out. 
every round. And then by the end, like he caught, he had caught in his cheekbone, he had caught in his eyebrow. He needed stitches on his face. That bad boy hurt him. But I was really not happy because I couldn't knock him out because I didn't hurt him that bad for him to stop. And I, I wasn't really happy celebrating because mm. I couldn't knock that man out. It was like, I had to hurt him even even worse than what I did. Um, I just don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's the nature of the boxing business or maybe it's just uh, um, me. But Because when I go in the ring, I, I just want to revenge. I just want to revenge for my hard but days. In, in a way, if it were if it were true to that, if it is true that that's the only place where you act this out, it's actually extremely functional. <laughs> like, like it's really impressive that you you sort of can be this calm, logical, reasonable, um, you, you know, rational and uh, peaceful person who works out his issues in the ring. I mean, if that if you could do that, you win. You win the the key to life, right? I mean, that's that's really well done. I was going to ask you if you're. If you're angry, I mean, forget about the, the the ring for a second. I mean, we have so many prominent Iranians who come on this show and talk about all the things that you know they they had when they were a kid, the primacy of their education and the important degrees they got. And you you come from a really tough neighborhood, and you didn't really have the option to finish school at all. I mean, do you? Are there days? Are there times not in the boxing ring where you are angry about being? about privileged kids who have it all, about being denied opportunities that others have? No, actually, you know, I have a lot of very, very wealthy individual friends. Um, and I have my mentor. I go to him every day. He always told me actually this. He said, he always told me like, he was born a billionaire in a family. Um, one, of, one of the richest men um, in Israel and he's, he's telling me like how do you feel I'm like I just know it's not fair but I don't really feel about your son it's just you don't really choose where you're born which family you, which place I don't feel like angry about it I feel hungry about it hmm. because I tell him like your kid cannot survive to be honest if you if you away if you die if there is no money what's going to happen to him he can survive a day outside. Like you coming to me, ask, literally begging me, taking your kid on the street, teaching, teaching him how to survive. Like I can do that. You think I cannot be rich like you? Oh. But I'll be sometimes really upset that it's a lot of very basic things I didn't have in my life. Yes. I get upset not for not but not for like I don't know money or like not having a lot of material things but sometimes I really get upset because I couldn't spend time with my mother. Mm. Sometimes I'm I'm really sad like when you go through this much life has a different meaning to you. Like I never saw my father and I'm twenty four years old. I only spent five years of my life with my mother. You know, like, how many mothers in life you can have? Only one. Hmm. You know, like, 
what if if I die tomorrow? Because there is not, oh, no, don't say that. No, I survived a death. So it's different mentality. I just don't think the way you, no, I'm not talking about you, but I don't think like the way you think. Mm-hmm. Like we live, any person live on the edge every day. But, you know, you know there's a, there's a, there's certainly a lot of adages or sayings or, you know, that there's, or affirmations where people say, you know, if you, if you've been through, you know, hell, um, you know that you can survive anything. And I get the sense that you really know that, you know that, I mean, you've said it, you, that you can survive anything. Most, most people in this world, I think, not to go too far into the, you know, uh, uh, sort of a tangent, but I, I, I think one of the motivational factors for a lot of people in this world is fear. Everyone's afraid of things. They're afraid of what others think. They're afraid this might happen. They're afraid that might happen. You kind of know that no matter what, you can survive, right? And and it feels yeah. like that that confidence is in you because because you've literally been through everything that the universe could throw at you. Yes, my, everyone got a fear. Everyone like my fear is not surviving. My fear is one day to not be the best in the world. You know, mm. not to be one of the greatest. That's my fear. Like I wish my fear was a like to survive or to make money or to have a place to sleep. Um, I wish that was my fear. Like my my fear is like when I'm when I'm older. I want my name to be mentioned um, like among best, like Muhammad Ali. Like. Why, 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 I mean, it's admirable, but why do you want so badly to be the champion? I believe that's the purpose I was born for that. Like, hmm. And so you, you ask this question from yourself, why everyone died in the car except me? There should be a purpose that I'm alive today. Why all my friends got stabbed and I didn't get stabbed even once? Mm. Or why, like, that day, that that family, they didn't have the money to give my father? So am I just here to run away from home and have a good life abroad in, 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 in England? And is that the purpose of my life today? I don't think so. I think I'm here to, to give back to... To community I, I need to be somebody to help some people i need to be a world champion i need i need to be one of the greatest people out there to be able to save some lives who do you want to help anybody anybody deserve the help anybody i can give back mm. we all have same rights you know like it's your right to be happy it's your right it's everybody's right to, to live a good life. I think that's the purpose. We're, we're not, we are not, we're not born to, to live a miserable life. We, we are not born to go to work and do what we hate the most, nine to five, and then tolerate anything that we don't love. We, that's not the purpose we are born. We are born to enjoy every second of our life. And if it's not that, if the day I wake up and that's not my purpose, I'd rather die. I truly rather die. 
Ali, I, I know your gym that you currently train at is in Finchley, uh, in that northern part of uh, London, uh, where I was just there a few months ago. There's a there's a growing and large Persian community. Are they aware that there's this young star Iranian boxer in the hood? Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, um, I don't know a lot of Iranian, and it's a shame because again, I never had the opportunity to to be around Iranian community because I was at the gym trying to hustle to learn how to box or trying to survive here, you know, or I always wanted to to be part of the society here. So I had to speak English. Uh, so I was always around it like foreigners, you know, like English people, European people. But for my last fight, there were Iranian flag there. So because some Iranian came, honestly, it was different. If you were, if you were to fight for a country right now, would it be for the UK? I mean, I don't even know the answer to that. Um, I would fight for both flags, for UK and for Iran, because I tell you why. You can never get the fact away that um, I'm Iranian. For the rest of my life, I'm Iranian, and I'm proud of it. But I never forget as well, like, in this country, I achieved my dreams. In this country, make me a man, you know. In this country, like end of the day when I was in Iran, like worse come to worse, I would go back to my mother's house. This country made me a man. There was no more place for me. I, I stood on my on my leg here, on my feet. So this country made me a man. I love UK. I love these people. They had faith in me. They gave me opportunity. Yes. Um, so, but by the way, though, I mean, just before we came to air, you told me you just ate Fes and June. So obviously, you can take the kid out of Southern Tehran, but you can't take Southern Tehran out of the kid. You're exactly. You're still. That's it. You're still chowing on <laughs> Fes and June at the first opportunity. You know, you're not eating a, yeah, yeah, uh, a fish I'll, and I'll chips. Be an Iranian restaurant. If I have the chance, <laughs> I want my. I want to have my kubi there. Uh, listen, I can't keep you forever. You've been so gracious. I, I, it's been a, a real treat to get to talk to you. Let me ask you a couple of last questions. One, you, you've got, I think it's March 26th, you've got a, another bout coming up at, at Wembley Arena. Um, yes. This this is like, I mean, Wembley is a, this is a pretty big deal. And I think this one's going to be on Sky Sports and, you know, it's going to be beamed yes. around the world. If you were to be, I mean, be rook, you know, be, um, be honest about this, uh, are you excited about this big fight coming up or does it freak you out a little bit? No, but I'm made for this. I'm made for this. I'll be a superstar, you know. I believe it every day. It doesn't freak me out. It just it just makes me work harder. That's my place. Small show hall is not my place. I was born to be on the biggest stage. Every time they challenge me harder, I just get better. I shine brighter. You know, I, that's me. That's in my blood. Um, this is my second time fighting in Bembley Arena on the 26th of March um, in front of 10,000 people, 12,000 people, live on telly, Sky Sport, millions of people watching it. And I'm going to knock him out, that man, and really hurt him. Um, makes me happy. It makes me really excited to work harder in the gym um, and all my hard work soon will pay off. Are you are you making a living now being a boxer or do you have to do other jobs still? No, I'm, I'm making a living. I have, I have my contract with the biggest sport agency in the world called Was A Man. 
I'm based in uh, LA and I can't wait to get my British passport to come live in US to be honest um, it is a big big deal for me to live in a sunny country I love UK but I'm really fed up with London um, <laughs> so after, after all the nice things you just said about <laughs> about the country making you a man you're like first first opportunity I'm going to California baby <laughs> that's yeah, right that's yeah, right yeah. All right. Uh, hey, listen. The final question to you. Um, uh, forgive me. I don't know. Is your mom still around? Yes, my mom is still around. Okay. Um, is your mom able to come and? Uh, she's probably not. Is she able to come and see you at Wembley? Um, I don't. I don't think so for the next fight. But my my mother is in the process to come, uh, to move here forever to live with me, and I'm very delighted. I'm very happy. Um. So in in couple of months, my mom will come and live with me here. Really? Um, yes, yes. That's that's amazing. I mean, I mean, in terms of a, a happy ending or a place that where this story goes, uh, your mom must be incredibly proud of you and incredibly heartened that she enabled the conditions where you've you've been able to to literally climb out of where you were at. Right. My. My dream is just to make my mother proud of me, my grandmother proud of me, my friends. You know, when I go to gym, believe me or not, this is rare because I know other boxers. I know the community of boxing. When I go to the gym, there is a lot of people and I'm nobody. I'm just a hot prospect, as they say. I'm a hot prospect coming up, got the opportunity and the potential to be world champion. But when I go in the gym, you have to come and see. There is literally five photographers there. There is people with a camera. My friends all sitting, not going to work, spending their time, coming, sitting there and watch me train. Someone's drying me with a towel. Someone's giving me water. And they all have faith in me. All my When I, when I train, when I'm punching, honestly, I have no more power to punch. I'm exhausted. I'm in a really hard calorie deficit. I can't eat any food. I'm moody. The only thing truly, truly want to do one day, one of those examples is you. Oh, I talked to Ali Reza. I'm, I made friends with him. Uh, and now he's a champion. I just want to make you proud. I just want to make my friends proud. You know, they come, they come spend their energy and their time time is valuable i understand this they come help me you know they give me all the love and the support and the energy my biggest dream is just i just want to make my people proud to be honest you know me being here i already won i don't want more you know i'm not in the ghetto i'm making my living i'm, I'm happy i'm in a good place i don't want more do you have a place for where your mom is going to live when she comes Yes, I got a very um, beautiful penthouse on the 21 floor for my mother. Uh, and I'm counting. And I pay so much rent. And I'm like, Mom, please come quick because you need to see this place I got for you, you know. <laughs> so I want you to sit, live here for some time, and then we can give it back. You know? have, um, have you told her that with all the excitement and love of her coming to the UK, you're going to take off to the US at your first opportunity? <laughs> I actually told her a couple of days ago, I said, Mom, by the time you're here, I'll get my passport. And I'm 
and I'm gone forever. She's like, man, I'm coming to you. I'm like, um, so you stay here, enjoy the enjoy the life in the UK. No, I mean, obviously, here is always my home. Yes. Here is my base, yes. you know. Yes. But I want to come to US, be in the camp. I want to go. Um, there is a lot, you know, boxing is, in the US is huge. Maybe I can get a contract but for next three years. I'm, I'm signed with my promoter company here. But after that, maybe I can sign with a bigger promoter in US. Um, again, as I said, I just want to dedicate my life to boxing and then be one of the greatest. And it's easy to say, but when you think about it and when you have to put the work in, it's like, it really scares me, my dream. But then if I made it here, I can make it to the rest, you know. Hey, Reza Ali, Ali Reza Qadiri, it's been a real pleasure, man, and actually an inspiration. I really, really appreciate you, and I appreciate the good that you want to do, and uh, I look forward to, to, to watching it and to staying in touch. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me to be here. Um, and thanks for hearing my story and then, sharing it with other people i hope one day i can inspire it doesn't need to be many people even one person because i know that person will give it to someone else and that's how this circle get bigger and bigger i want to arrange my my iranian people to hear just please don't give up it doesn't matter how hard it is you know just fight for your dreams because dream can be one day your memory you know and it happened to me I can tell you a lot of people are listening to this around the world right now and they will you will you'll likely hear from them and you really are an inspiration. Talk soon brother, take care of yourself. Merci. Thank you. Um thank you for the opportunity. I hope you enjoy the rest of the I think it's uh day there, right? Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's rest something like that. It's about to get dark here. It's already dark. Khodafes. Khodafes. Ali Reza, Razor Ali Khadiri, an Iranian professional boxer based in London, England. His next fight is coming up at Wembley Arena and on various uh, satellite TV networks. Ali Reza Khadiri joined us from London today. Back here with the microphones on, Captain yeah. Reza, wow, Groovy Shia, and the fabulous Keon. How about that, Reza? Wow, wow, yeah. What a, what a, what a soul. As a man. filmmaker, don't you want the rights a, to that story? Yeah, I do. I, mean, I, I actually want to actually talk to him, and I want to definitely make a doc about him for, for sure. That's in the making already. And I bet yeah, you there's a lineup to I'm, do that. I bet. You know? I bet. What a story! What blew my mind is that he's like I'm not I'm he, I wasn't mad at him like as at his, his dad at his dad about his dad after he was like what like this man got got something special yeah. it's just there is no other way to explain it very very fascinating I kind of really get it impressive. though it's hard to be mad at a parent you know it's hard to you know and and he has that final scene with his dad where. He's nine, and his dad says, uh, you know, I, I love you. I've always loved you. It's literally a scene. Like, you write this stuff in a script. Yeah. Like, this is, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. But, it, but it's also, it all comes together when he says, uh, what did he say? Something like, um, uh, 
nothing can hurt me. No, I, I, I can't, I'm not afraid of anything. I, yeah. I can survive anything. Yeah, I can, can survive, survive anything. anything. Uh, you really, I mean, after what he's been through, yeah. he's. Yeah. It, it makes sense that he's. Yeah, nothing fails. <laughs> I'm speechless. What a story. You know, I, I don't think we've had. We've had a lot of incredible stories on Rook. This has to be, like for me at least, the most just unbelievable story. The What he's gone through. F- one human being to go through even one of that is yeah. enough to just By the age of knock you out. Yeah, I just, yeah. that's, I feel so ridiculous for every complaint <laughs> I've ever had in my life compared to what he's gone well, through. Well, we feel ridiculous about your complaints <laughs> too, but that's <laughs> a different <laughs> story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, I'm, I, I, all I, all I can say is that I'm proud of him. And I, yeah. I really, I genuinely say this, I pray with whatever universe, energy, whatever you want to call it, that I see more of his success because he truly deserves it. It's I, so, um, it is beautiful that he's channeling all of that mm-hmm. into, seemingly into something positive yeah and it's funny because i was thinking you know therapists will often say like you know uh, if you can contain if you can find a place a channel for your anger or your mm-hmm. frustration or whatever yeah. it's like you know punch a pillow or something yeah, and yeah. He, he it's like it's he's found the boxing ring yeah. i mean i fear for his some of his opponents <laughs> oh, the way he's yeah. like i just want but to kill them you know and it's like okay i <laughs> oh. guess uh, but that's what you know mike tyson said yeah. i mean that's to say that's what that's part of the gig turn and, into and a different person yeah he's i mean he's found an outlet for that yeah. i guess uh, you, i oddly enough i i didn't know we had him on today i have my first kickboxing class this saturday <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel a little ridiculous nice. saying that i don't think i can be anything like him so it's like <laughs> no you sure can't not even remotely <laughs> too bad you uh you're not in, you could, in vancouver you could have done uh oh yeah fairy right. yeah whatever, it's too yeah. bad yeah. Gone, gone to her oh, gym yeah. what made you want to do kickboxing uh i needed something different and i honestly i i I was just thinking self-defense, you know, mm. if, if I ever come if across Reza, salon, yeah. Reza in a dark alley. <laughs> yeah, right. Dark alley. I should be afraid of you, yeah, bulldozer. <laughs> okay, back to Razor Alley, Shia. <laughs> From dark alley to Razor. Okay. Um, I mean, that actually two points. One is that that was really fascinating when he said that when he got on stage, he ch- on a boxing ring. Box, yeah. yeah. He changed, and it actually it's it's kind of uh, similar with with a musician when he goes on stage. You, when you go on that zone, yes. you kind of yeah. forget. lose yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah lose yeah. yourself. And but he, he said he loves being violent. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. The other thing is that I'm really happy that he's mom is going hmm. to hmm. go to london and it's really i thought of you while i was doing this i i thought about the part where he talks about god was interesting uh-huh. um first of all that i mean it's it's understandable that he's not a believer based on all the all that he's been through mm-hmm. uh as he said you know how if there's a god you know why would they steal my whole family yeah. away mm-hmm. from me in a car crash and all that but um but that this idea that you know <laughs> I had only read, as I said in the interview, I'd only read that he was in big trouble. The police were after him and all. I say, you know, so I'm just assuming because he, he's in a gang, you know, he's knifed someone or he's robbed a bank or he's done. <laughs> it turns out he went to school and said, there's no, yeah. he started saying, there's no God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> that's, this isn't, and the academy goes to, honestly, like you, this stuff, you can't write it. You can't write it. You can't do drugs and write <laughs> stories this crazy. 
But so, that's an insight oh, oh, into Iran, yeah. is my so, point. Yeah. I mean, you can. What you do know, you think of me? Yeah, I was going to ask, how did that remind because, you? Because, oh, yeah. honestly, my. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. my, my uh, <laughs> Which part, <laughs> exactly? <laughs> no, I think of. <laughs> Talk about that, Gian. <laughs> the drugs? Uh, no, 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 no. I think of you because I, th- I feel like you are someone who. First of all, I know you come from a religious family. Correct. And I know you have thought a lot about your where you what your relationship with a god or god is i see uh-huh. and uh particularly in the context of coming from iran and being iranian so i thought that, that would be interesting for you uh, to, to, to talk to you about that yeah i mean of course when i was at that age like 15 kind of i believed in god in the like mm. the islam god and mm. uh so I I wasn't that rebellious to go like uh, go against those beliefs, but when I finally found the spiritual uh, mind in myself, so I forget about the God. Now I understand Him. But again, as as for those of us who grew up in the diaspora, <laughs> mm. um, sounds horrible. That was weird. Way better. Uh, for, yeah. for those who grew up in the diaspora, the the um, it's still amazing to me mm-hmm. that someone would have the police after him because he said there isn't a god in school. You know, I mean, you would almost be seen as a, a, an interesting thinker. You know, you would mm-hmm. not only would you not be sanctioned, but you would be elevated here. You know, be like, oh, this kid's got something. He's uh, he's questioning God. You know, yeah. um, mind you, there are things you can't say in the West too. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, you know, if you there's certain lines you can't cross these days, and um, and so I was trying to position it. Would that be like the equivalent of saying something racist now in a in a school? You know, uh, although I'm not sure the police would come after you. But uh, honestly, in the, in Iran also, I'm not sure if you say there is no God in the school, police would come after you. I mean, it uh, uh, definitely. The police in that neighborhood is different from the I police see. in my neighborhood. Yeah. Well, he did sound like he was quite animated about it. He wasn't mm. just uh, he wasn't saying it under his breath. He was kind of preaching to the yeah. you know the way he told that story. So, um, but generally, I'm happy whatever makes you think of me. I'm happy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's something horrible. <laughs> While Reza and Shai, uh, Reza and Kian are at the salon, <laughs> Shai, you and I will talk about God. The salon. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you were at the salon. What do you say? I know. God? That's I why like I thought. Life you were went to the salon to get, you went to the Persian salon <laughs> to get your beard trip. This like, is who you are. This is who you are now. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's like, it's like God is playing a practical joke on me. Like every time I go somewhere <laughs> and do something ridiculous that I, I don't really don't want to do, don't want to be seen, Gian is there. <laughs> Gian. Or, or he finds out about it, or I see you. <laughs> but between the, I mean, this guy, between the nose job and the, I don't the trim, the, the beard trim, and the, I mean, he is, uh, uh, yeah. 
Uh, After exhausted. hearing uh, Razor Ali's story, I'm <laughs> switching to wrestling. I know, I know. That's actually, <laughs> that's, that's actually the, the camera needs to go, the yeah. shot needs to go from Razor Ali, you yeah. know, bloodied and living on the street, <laughs> yeah. to Reza in the salon with King like a... But you know, Reza had, you know, it took like, a lot for him to come to Canada too. He had did, quite a story. Why do you think I go to, uh, <laughs> to get my uh, beard trimmed to so, cover up all the scars on my face? <laughs> so he's oh. come a long oh, way to only to have someone else yeah. trim his beard. And it's about time, Razor Ali Jun, go get some facial, get a massage too. He's been through a lot, man. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, the, the show has quickly descended into a place where most of the audience can't understand, uh, can't relate to any of us. Um, uh, uh, although maybe some of them can relate to <laughs> Keanu Reza. They are precious. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, happy Noru's in advance to everybody out there. We'll see you next week with our Noru's video and on Thursday for a contemporary history of Iran. Thank you, Captain Reza Shai, the fabulous Keon. This is full time for Rook for today. For all things Rook related, including how you can become a patron of our program and help support us, rookmedia.com is where you go. Rookmedia.com. Check out that. Um, new homepage at rookmedia.com featuring uh, all the episodes of hospitality that are now up there chef Haas's uh, series thanks to the amazing team who put this show together savvy roham talented anahita ponta the artist the fabulous keon super patty saw captain reza and groovy shaya thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content please subscribe on this platform you're listening on or any of our platforms if you've not done so already or all of them for that matter find me on instagram at giangomeshi mizumashi mizumashi